Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, welcome to Hawks Live. We're here at Snoqualmie Casino. We've got a packed house. Let's hear it. Eight and two Seahawks. Uh, I think they're all here for Paul Moyer, though. Definitely. Lots of support I, I, for Paul. I, I can't disagree with that. But not <laughs> I'm eight, the one who has two. a jersey out in the crowd. Yes. From the mother of our board op. I, I think they, they, got Emma. It, they got it backwards. It's supposed to be 29 jersey. Thomas. Oh, maybe that's it. No, right. a, a Michael 92. Bumpus is here also. Mike, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm uh, riding you guys' coattail right now, you know. <laughs> you Thanks for some, having me, by guys. By the way, sorry, you got well, some time now. I, I think sorry about that. Uh, you know, it, it happens every year. We had fun because we went to his playoff game and yeah. had a he got us uh, some really nice seats on sideline the sideline. Passes, yeah. And, uh, that was fun was, to watch. And then, coach, then we come man. back to Snoqualmie, where the team that beat us resides, pretty much. You pretty uh, much. Oh, yeah. Mount Si. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> but hey, the Seahawks are eight and two, man, and yeah. uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. But uh, by the way, tonight we're going to talk to the professor, of course. Uh, in the next segment, about seven fifteen, we're going to talk to. Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He's kind of their John Boyle, basically. On the phone, we're going to talk to Trey Flowers. Later on, Shaquem Griffin is going to play a video game of some sort with Taylor Jacobs, and they'll talk. But uh, I mentioned the professor, Clayton. But mostly, let's recap that game, man. I, the more I, I go over that game against San Francisco, the more exciting it becomes for me, I guess. Uh, and, and start off with the running game. And the Seahawks this year, their run game, they faced five, or I'm sorry, three top five rush defenses. And they've averaged 140 yards against those teams. Now you're going into Philadelphia, they have the number four rush defense. And their most impressive performance was Tampa Bay, because they put up 145 on that run defense, and they were only giving up 68 yards. So I feel like the offense is set. And I feel like we could be kind of in the middle of the story with the run game because remember they started off kind of slow last year and then they built and they were 160 yards per game and number one by the end of the year i think they're they're starting to hit their stride they're they're going up when they go up against these tough opponents it it tends to bring out the best in them and so you have that as far as the run game goes and then you got russ who just all he does is win games i feel like the offense is pretty set so far yeah i like where the offense excuse me is right now i know i see that you know, I think the thing that saves the run game is, one, these guys are tough up front, and two, Carson does not go down easily. I think I saw a stat to where he's about third or fourth um, uh, yards after contact. Mm-hmm. He just runs hard. He runs downhill. And also what helps the run game is the threat of Russell Wilson. You know, he, they can't just pin their ears back and get after Russell Wilson and, the, and these receivers because they've proven that, one, they, can, they know how to play against the zone. They can get off the press. Worst case, Russell Wilson's going to scramble. He's going to be Houdini back there and play backyard football. And if there was ever an example of backyard football, it's the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, a lot of these plays are designed to do one thing and half of them do something else because Russell Wilson is able to buy time. And then he's throwing the football and he's putting it in places that only his receivers can get. Um, you add Russell Wilson with a strong run game and, and keeping the O-line healthy for the most part. There's been some injuries there, um, but they're starting to get some continuity halfway through the season. I think they figured out who they are. Before I uh, get to you, Paul, that I thought you mentioned Chris Carson. I thought uh, sort of the picture of what that game was about, the, the play where Chris Carson t- 
twists and turns and tries to keep his body off the ground. I thought that was a touchdown, actually. Uh, next play, he walks in, basically. But just uh, that kind of effort and that kind of, I don't know, urgency. It was just that it sort of set the tone. Like, it, it kind of indicated what that team did that night. I mean, it was just like scratch for every last inch. And I just, I love what I'm seeing out of Carson. But are you as comfortable with the offense as, as we are, Paul? Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting about the Seahawks is there's 31 teams where my, my brain would be right over my heart. The, the Seahawks are the one that it's not. Because going into that game last, feels like a, a month ago, the last game we played against them, my brain said, I don't know how we're going to beat these guys. The San Francisco, their defense is so good, and they still are good. Um, even offensively, I, th- their running game was complex. What they were doing in the passing game, we were going to have to change our defense and challenge their short running game or their short passing game. And I just go, wow, we're, th- this is a lot to ask in one week. So my brain said, I don't know how we beat them. My heart said, I think we're going to beat them 31-17. My brain said, 3117 San Francisco. I went with my brain. Uh, and, I, and I really think the Seahawks, you can't do that. They, they just find ways to win. And, and offensively, if you go and look at both of the, the statistics, we, we beat San Francisco, we outperformed them, I guess, what, against their defense, what they were giving up, and we, we shut their, their, their offense down, what they were actually producing. Yeah. That's a good sign. And if we hadn't had some of the crazy penalties, and I don't want to get into the referees. I mean, it's just part of life. It really didn't feel, as you guys know, Bumpus, you, were, you heard me screaming and I was hoarse. didn't feel like we were getting a lot of the calls going our way. And if we had of, I think we could have ran away with that game. I truly believe we're a better football team than they are. Yeah. So I feel comfortable. I, I, you can't take our running game away. You can't take our passing game away. We will flip it. We can do whatever we want. We will eventually run it. It may not be early. We will eventually throw it. It may not be early. We will dictate that on what you want to do with us. So, and I and look, if you're not excited about what the defense, did, yeah, are you well, kidding me? Now let's get to the defense because to me that was the story of that game. And you know, I said that I thought maybe the running game is in uh, the middle of the story. I feel like this is the beginning of the story for the defense. Uh, that was the. I don't know if that stood out to you guys. The way they played together, the hits uh, from McDougal and, and Diggs. Diggs. Andre yeah. Diggs brought a lot of juice to that defense. And then it looked like the defensive line just decided, man, we're going to win this piece of turf. I did a thing on 710sports.com talking about phone booth tough. You know, and uh, I had to actually flash a picture of a phone booth because a lot of the young people don't know what a phone booth is. But it's like a four-by-four, you know, uh, square where it's like Chuck Knox used to say, two guys go in, one guy comes out. And I felt like they they won that battle. Um, And so, yeah, the defense, and and really the guy that spurred the whole thing on in my mind, and I'm sure you guys agree, Jadavian Clowney. Let me ask you this. If in the beginning of the season, I would have said by week 11, Jadavian Clowney will have three sacks. Would you think that would be a good trade? Probably no, not. Not off that. Probably not. not off think, that statistic. Yeah. No. But if you start looking at you know the countless tackles that he's made, uh, I think I have him up to. He's been held four times that were called anyway, and then you know he's got just three sacks, like I said, but he's got three forced fumbles, two fumble recovers, three passes knocked down, twelve quarterback hits. Oh, and also two touchdowns that he scored. I mean, the guy is all over the place. I think he might be a better run player than he is uh, as far as a pass rusher. 
but he's just part of it. But still, I thought he was a spark. I thought Quandre Diggs played really well. Thanks, and then Mark. the thing that stood out to me was that they played together for the first time. It was almost like the staff of the Seattle Seahawks was holding the defense back, like, not yet, guys. Let's not get after him <laughs> yet. Just, just keep doing your job. Just be disciplined. Learn this scheme. And eventually, we're going to put in some things that will allow you to flourish and, and be vicious and be the team that we want you to be. And then I think Clowney just rose to the challenge. It was Monday Night Football. You know, they brought you over here from Houston. Uh, you're gonna, you're supposed to be the guy to ignite the fire on this defensive line. And when the lights shine bright, you see who's gonna come out, who's gonna play ball. Some guys kind of shy away from the light. And I feel like Clowney just stepped up and then you throw a Condre, uh, Diggs in the back, uh, in the backfield. And that's what that backfield was missing. A guy who's gonna come downhill, who's gonna be the spark back there. So you have a spark on the back end. You have a spark on the D line. And then you have the most solid linebacker crew in all the land. It all came together at the right time. I think one, the coaches had to put in a scheme that's gonna allow this defense to really get after it and then put some parts in there get a uh, get a digs in there um, um, allow your corners to come up and press so um, it was beautiful to watch and it's encouraging going forward because now they've shown they can play a different brand of football you know bump you were the one who said i think they got something for him i think they've been holding something back and That's whether right. yep. you felt that in pete carroll's interview and um you know not that you you divulged anything but you felt like it was going to be something different See, I think Clowney's been doing this all year. And you're right, Dave. He's a fantastic run player. But he's a great pass rusher, too. You have to, at times, you've got to allow your guys to get there. And we, we've played soft, soft, soft zone. This time we didn't. We contested the short throw. It's the first time really this year that we were consistently contesting that. that now, if you watch that game, you know, Jimmy G, he, lots, he had to pump fake you know, or pull pulled down the pass he was looking around he didn't know where to go now he's looking in the pocket where do i step it was collapsing and you've got clowny hustling and and, and keep working on the edges it, it takes more than just a great pass rush it takes more than just great pass coverage it takes both to be you know to get sacks and, and interceptions along the way that was the first time this year where i said we're contesting we're contesting their routes and we're allowing our, our defensive line finally to get pressure on the quarterback which will turn into sacks I think San Francisco's been exposed. I really do. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna lose more games the rest of the year than win. How's that? Even though I still think they're a really good football. Oh, team. and they got a they got a tough schedule. They got Green they Bay at home, but they they're Baltimore. going to Baltimore and they're going to New Orleans. They and they got, and they got team the Seahawks. They got to come at, here at the end of the yep. year. Ooh. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So well we'll we'll continue to talk about how excited we are about the defense but yeah. coming up next we're going to get an opponent preview we'll dive into the seahawks week 12 opponent we'll talk to dave spadaro from eagles.com that's next right here on hawks live welcome back to hawks live paul moyer michael bumpus we're here live at the snoqualmie casino and right now we're going to get from uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com an opponent preview from Dave Spadaro. Dave, thanks for staying up late, man. Appreciate it. Hey, my, my pleasure, guys. How are you doing tonight? We're doing great. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out this Philadelphia Eagle team. Maybe you, you are, too. They're 5-5. Five and five. And uh, wh- what do you think has been the biggest reason for the up-and-down season this year? Well, I think the biggest reason is injuries. They've been devastated by injuries. And I know that nobody ever likes to use that as an excuse, as an excuse and valid. But when you lose to Sean Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Jordan Howard, you know those are three of your top, really maybe your three top playmakers. They've been battling along the offensive line. They've got more injuries this week. The defense has had secondary injuries all year. 
The defensive tackles have been decimated. So uh, it's been it's been really difficult to uh, field the roster that the Eagles put together and consequently win the games that have been there for the taking. I'll tell you what, David. I mean, you look at the injury list, and you know everybody thinks they get a raw deal as far as the injuries, bad breaks, and everything. But boy, you look at Philly, like you mentioned, all of those names. Any, um, maybe any surprises for this weekend, guys that that may be able to play that are either questionable or doubtful. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I think Nigel Bradham, their linebacker, middle linebacker, will come back and play. He's practiced all week, but we get the, the, the theme of the season has been to get one guy back. And you have two more question marks. Lane Johnson, the all-pro right tackle, is still in concussion protocol. Jordan Howard, still not practicing, uh, not cleared for contact, the running back. Nelson Aguilar, uh, hurt his knee late in the game against New England, hasn't practiced. Uh, so, I mean, you know, Jason Peters now, the left tackle, added to the list with limited practice today. So, I don't think there's any... <laughs> You know, Alshon Jeffrey's probably not going to play. He's not practicing. Deshaun Jackson is on IR. Um, no, I don't think there's going to be any real surprises of anybody coming back to save the day for a football team that's just been up and down and up and down all year. Hey, Dave, um, I took a look at this New England game you guys played last week, and I'm looking at the secondary. They're getting healthy. They're flying around. They're playing good football right now. Fletcher Cox is getting healthy. Do you feel like this defense is on the verge of having a big game? No, I don't. I don't uh, feel that way because I think that this matchup is a very difficult one. I mean, the Seahawks are loaded, and Russell Wilson has been great against the Eagles. And yeah, the Eagles played well last week, but I mean, I just don't think the Patriots' offense is in the category of Seattle's. And prior to that, it was the Chicago Bears and their offense struggles. And prior to that, it was the, the uh, Buffalo Bills in really windy conditions and their offense struggles. So I will say this, the Eagles have gotten better on defense. They've gotten players back at cornerback specifically. Uh, but until they do it against a really quality, quality offense, and that's what Seattle is, uh, it's hard to say that they've kind of arrived or that they're ready to crank it up for the stretch. I think it'll be a great matchup, though. I think the Eagles are good up front. I think they're better in the secondary than they've been. It's just a matter of how you deal with Russell Wilson. You know, we're, we're here at Snoqualmie Casino. Thousands of fans here watching our, and listening to our show. All right, um, so there's like a couple dozen. But, no, yeah, it's Dave, there's thousands of people Theater of the here. mind, Paul. But okay, what's, what's interesting is they, they think, oh, Philadelphia is 5-5. Five and five. You know, this, this would be an easy win. But then I, I'm looking at your schedule. I mean, you've got the Giants twice. You've got uh, the Redskins. You've got Miami. You've got Dallas at home. And a lot of times it is who you play. This is a huge game. I, I, my guess, though, still is Philadelphia feels they're absolutely in the playoff hunt. Yeah, but, but they've got four losses in the conference. So, I mean, look, Sunday is huge. It is urgent. The Eagles win this game, and they get to 6-5. and five. And you feel really good about their chances down the stretch. You lose the game, and you're, you know, at least a game behind the Cowboys. So, I mean, it's a it's a, a pivotal pivotal game. I I just think the Eagles they really haven't played that that, that full great ninety you know sixty minute game where they've just gone coast to coast and played really well. Green Bay a pretty good game earlier in the year did a nice job against uh, you know matching Aaron Rodgers. But I just, again, I just, I, I really respect the quality of Seattle. 
they're coming off a bye week. The West Coast, the East Coast thing is is, is not even an issue. I mean, the, the I think it's four, you know, the Seahawks are fourteen and six. Uh, they're three and zero at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, the only thing I can't figure out is you look up and I don't play any odds or pay attention to it, but I don't. I just can't figure out how the Eagles are favored in this game. So I don't know what that means, but uh, certainly it is a must-have game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's, it is kind of strange. I mean, Seahawks though, this would be their sixth road win, and it's always tough. Although they've they've handled uh, the East Coast trips uh, pretty well, we're talking to Dave Spadaro from uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And Dave, tell us about uh, a little bit more about Carson Wentz. What kind of player he has been, and and just what kind of guy? Uh, how how are people in Philadelphia accepting him? Yeah, a tenacious competitor. You know, he's going through that 2017 MVP candidate, 33 touchdowns, had the injury, the knee injury, came back last year, was okay. 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions before he got hurt. Uh, this year, the numbers are okay. Um, he just hasn't really gotten back to that level prior to the injuries. And so I think fans are kind of waiting for that. Um, he holds the ball a bit, tries to make plays, very versatile. He is extremely uh, athletic, big, strong. I mean, you guys saw him a couple of years ago. You saw him in 2017 in Seattle. And he never gives up on a play. He's very physical, very smart. Uh, but but it is just so hard to have success when the pieces around you aren't what you thought they would be. Eagles thought they would have this really multiple, hard to match up against offense, mixing, matching personnel packages, spread the ball around, pick your poison. That hasn't been the case. Hey, Dave, I went to Washington State University, so I have to ask about my guy, Andre Dillard. How confident, how confident is this coaching staff in him if he is called upon to play? Yeah, I think, I think pretty confident. He's done a nice job when he's played a left tackle. He's extremely athletic, great feet, good technique, works at it, smart. He's had, if he's had any problems, it's been with the bull rush, and he really hasn't done much at right tackle. So there's a thought that if Lane Johnson doesn't come back, that Andre would play right tackle. Then Jason Peters shows up on the injury list, and we don't know what his status is. So, uh, you know, Jadavian Clowney with that power move, uh, I would think you'd see it all day against Andre. But his future is very bright. Uh, He's played well. And there's a reason the Eagles traded up to get him. They feel like they have a, a, a good left tackle for many, many years to come. All right, Dave, well, we really appreciate the preview and uh, hope to see you out there in Philadelphia. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, have a great night. Thanks so much. There he goes, Dave Spadaro from Eagles.com. Coming up next, um, Dave didn't seem super confident about his team. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> Anybody <laughs> notice it? Like, do you expect him to No, I, I, I don't I, I expect him, him to win. So- I threw him a bit yeah. of a softball. It wasn't yeah. even a softball because their schedule was so easy. Yeah. I mean, they, they should win four yeah. or five games just with their – they're, they're playing they're Miami. They play the Redskins, yeah. the Giants. That's four wins. They got Dallas right. at home. They got the Seahawks at home. Right. And they played well at home. I'm like. There's five and five. He just sounds beat up. You know, it's, yeah, it's, been, it's been a tough season. <laughs> well, you I'll know what he sounds that. like? He sounds like a cougar. Come on. Oh, come on, oh, man. oh. Come very on. Nice. No, I'm teasing. Not really. <laughs> I, I was going to say Philadelphia fans, they'll let you have it. Did you guys see the clip of the guy who was talking about how they were throwing babies out of the burning building? And the guy's describing it and everything, and he says, yeah, nobody dropped him, unlike Aguilar, 
Yeah, <laughs> he looks in the, in the news. So I mean, they're tough fans. Yes. Uh, they're they're critical they, and they're, they're that, <laughs> that was they can funny. be tough. All right, coming up next on Hawks Live, we're going to talk to Trey Flowers, one of my favorite old school guys. Even though he's a young guy, that's next. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman, and next we'll talk to Trey Flowers. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, it's Hawks Live. We're up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. We've got a great crowd here. And we've got one of our favorite players on the line, Trey Flowers. Trey, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, what's more exciting this season, getting your first pick as an NFL player or your first sack? I gotta believe it's interception it's, for you, right? Yes, I do with the interception. It was highly anticipated. <laughs> I really wanted an interception so bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I figured that was the case. But man, that was a that was a nice blitz that you ran off the edge there. And uh, have you been sent before? Is that something that uh, that that kind of gets your your juices flowing when you hear you're going to get a chance to blitz? Uh, definitely. You know, just knowing that coach don't call something that sends me off the edge and lets me be aggressive is is a good thing. I did play a little safety in college so I could tackle and it was fun. It kind of take us through your interception too. That was we were just talking about that and uh in Cleveland and uh just kind of describe it. it. Looked like it was like a pick play maybe and the guy didn't make it through and then you end up stepping up. How how did that go? And, um my god, it was an RPO, I feel like uh, Baker just picked it up and wanted to throw it. It was to be he kind of collided with Kendrick's man. Anybody? Oh, would you, we still got you. You still Hello? there, Trey? Oh, okay, we just lost you there for a second. Yeah. Oh, I'm it, sorry. Yeah. Let me try hey. to see if I can get something. Okay. Hey, uh, Trey, tell us about how that felt. Uh, we were talking about how the defense just seemed different. It seemed like you guys were playing together. Uh, it was by far your best performance. Uh, did you guys have, like, some extra juice? What was it about that Monday night game that uh, that you think allowed you guys to play such a great game? Um, I think it just came with executing the game plan. I think we uh, we felt good about it. Everybody was all, all in, bought in, and... Yeah, well, it was a big game. I think everybody just wants to play in it. Of course, you're happy, excited by both teams. It was, it was just a really good game. <laughs> it was a real good game for, for us because we won, for sure. <laughs> I hear some kids in the background. They Are they, they having fun right now? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. It's my daughter. <laughs> I'm cutting away from movie time. Wait, uh, did, what did she dress up as for uh, for Halloween? Did you take her trick-or-treating? Yeah, she was uh, she was a doctor. <laughs> we went to about we went to a few houses. It was kind of cold, but yeah, she's a doctor. <laughs> I can't remember the doctor's name that she is. I'm so sorry, but she, I know it's one of the shows. I'm mad I don't know it right now. <laughs> Trey, I I played safety and and uh, they with injuries. I had to play a little corner in the NFL, and I I, I didn't do it very well at, at all. <laughs> But you, you again. You were you were safety in in college. You made the transition. You know, two years now. You know, how comfortable are are you with that? Do do you ever want to go back to safety, or is corner the position for you in your future? I'm definitely. Uh, I just label myself a defensive back. I, I like to label myself as a defensive back. 
knowing that I can play corner is definitely good. Knowing that I can play safety is definitely good. I just want to play football as long as I can. So however I'm going to help this defense, I'm going to be good. I think for now, a corner, and that's where I'm happy at. Well, I think we're pretty happy with it. And by the way, you got just a, <laughs> a horrible call on that one third down play that you guys would have been off the field in that first drive against the 49ers. How frustrating is that for you? I mean, it, it, it's such a subjective call now, pass interference, but you know, how do you try to stay in it mentally? Because I know you didn't think that was pass interference on that one call. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, it was, I mean, it's just the NFL that we play in today. I just got to find a way to get my hands a little lower and take them off a little sooner. So they can't make that call. We got to get off the field on third down. It was a critical down, a very bad penalty. Very bad call, but I hear you. <laughs> hey, yeah. Trey, you never, you never sure. really seem to to overreact to those bad calls. Like your demeanor, you're pro- you even kill most of the game. Is that something that's always been a part of you, or something that you've learned as you gotten older? Definitely learned as I got older. Um, when I was younger, it was <laughs> I probably would have. You you I have bad body language or something. I show it out want people, but now it's just it's just I can't change it. And they're not gonna change it, so I just go to the next play and try to make another play. It, you know, Trey, when I see you around, I mean, you're very laid back, dude. But uh, what <laughs> what do you do to get yourself fired up? I mean, everybody does it differently. Are you pretty calm on game day, or or do you get fired up? What what do you do? Do you listen to music? What to get in in uh, game mode? I'm I'm pretty much the same. I uh, I don't really like being. Well, not nah, I don't like being. I'm not really a guy that you're gonna see scream or anything a lot. But I just love playing football. <laughs> That's what gets me going. I know I can play football still, so I'm gonna give it all I got. What is uh what is Quandre Diggs brought to the table, man? It looked like uh one. It just you guys look really calm, and I, I don't want to put too much on that him starting, but you guys played so well in the secondary last week. But but what has he brought to the table, and how do you guys m- meld that quick with him coming in just a few weeks ago? It's definitely, I mean, we brought in another vet. It's another another thing of experience for the room. So him talking through ball and. We kind of just, you know, vibe and hit it off. If he plays DB, we feel like we're all the same. And and he's from Texas, so I kind of – I knew him a little bit before. We played on each other's team, so I met him at a football camp. And he was a real cool guy there, and it was just still building now. Yeah, it just seemed like communication was a lot better, and I, we got a chance to talk to him. It was the first time uh, I had talked to him, and he just seems like a great communicator, and that's that's really important back there, right? I mean, if you have a vet back there, yeah. he's getting everybody lined up. I mean, that's got to make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it just comes with everybody knowing their stuff, and then we can all communicate a little better, everybody being on the same level, thinking the same, and I know we're going to just keep gelling as time goes on. All right, Trey, hey, listen, man, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, enjoy your little girl and uh, keep playing the way you're playing, and uh, we're excited to watch you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yes, sir, thank you. Sorry about the noise a little bit in the back. Oh, oh no, that was good. I loved it. We're all good. <laughs> hey, we, we can, all got kids can, here, hey, Trey. We all got kids here. She can be a part of the show anytime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, thanks, Trey. <laughs> Take care. There he goes, Trey Flowers. Uh, man, he, he has been such a uh, – 
you forget that he was a conversion guy. That you is know? a hard move, guys. Yeah, well, I mean, you would know better than anybody going from safety to corner. I mean, it was just in our day, Paul, I mean, nobody did that. Like, now they're taking defensive linemen, making them offensive linemen. And, you know, and then look at, like, Justin Britt. He goes from tackle to guard to center. That was unheard of. Uh, I, I remember Bruce Matthews. He was a pro bowler. That's how good of a football player he was. He uh, played for the 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 Houston Oilers, and he was a pro bowler at tackle, guard, and and center. But that was unheard of. But, you know, to take a guy who had played safety his entire career, plus he kind of built like a safety, although Pete loves the long, you know, long arms, long legs as far as playing cornerback. So it changes but, geometry of the throw, guys. It, it absolutely does. I mean, yeah. you cannot throw, you know, a, a flat uh, go route. I mean, you've got to try to drop that over a guy you can actually trail a little bit on that. We talked about that, you know, many years ago with Richard Sherman. You know, the first guy really um, that I remember that moved from safety to corner, a guy named Dave Brown oh, yeah. with the Seattle Seahawks. He was an All-American at Michigan at safety. And then the first one that the national group knew about was a guy named Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott was a safety at USC. They moved him to corner when he was at San Francisco his rookie year. He played a few years at corner before he moved back to safety again. It's rare. You used to see guys who were corners move to safety. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe they didn't quite have that speed, but, you know, pretty good tacklers. It's such a hard move. And what's so hard about it is it's not the speed necessarily. It's not that you can't match up. It's can you trust that you can jump a route. And, and that is so hard. And I'm starting to see it. And that's what we saw last week. They are tight coverage. You, that third down play I was talking about, no one's going to remember it. I do. It was on the first drive. It was like a third down and six. It was right on the sideline. He made a great play. We're off the field. They call pass interference. To me, it was horse. I'll leave the rest of the word out. Mm-hmm. It was a, I thought it was a bad call. They've got to let guys play. But he's trusting jumping routes now. That is the hardest thing for a corner to do is to trust it. And you're starting to see more of that from Trey. Well, and I think that's important for him because he's gotten a couple of PIs his rookie year. And you can understand but where he doesn't trust himself. There's been a few times where he's gotten PIs, and I'm like, you didn't, you didn't need to hold him. You were there. You were going to – and he'll just kind of hook him a little bit. And I think it's – you know, I've heard it described as, you know, you kind of panic at the end. You think, oh, i got to get this. And so you grab, grab some cloth, whatever. But, you know, I've seen two or three of his PIs where I'm like, he didn't have to do that. He's, he's got – and he'll well, get that confidence. Well, it's a fine line, Dave. I mean, remember, remember what Pete teaches, stay on the upfield shoulder. I mean, that's their big thing. You can play tight coverage – but you know, we're never in a trail position. That's not what we do. And it happens right. sometimes. But it's upfield shoulder and, and, again, to trust the route. That takes experience and confidence. Yeah. And he's, he's getting that. I, I love the way he plays. You, you look at this group, they will all thump you. There's not yeah. a guy, both safeties, both corners. And when you put Amadi at nickel, you got five. And put in Blair at times, that's yeah. six guys that will knock was- you out. There was a play against, I believe, the Cleveland Browns that kind of showed me that I thought Trey was was feeling comfortable was there was a screen, and he's playing that bell technique, and he puts his foot in the ground, and then he slips the block. Just the way he slipped the block and broke down and tackled the guy, I'm like, okay, he's taking the drills to the game right now. He's looking fundamentally sound. So there are little plays like that that, that he flashes to where, like, he's getting comfortable. So yeah. later on in the season, he's going to be called upon. He's going to have to make some plays for this team. So when he starts using those fundamentals and, and playing fast, it's encouraging to see him yeah. out there. And much thanks to, uh, yeah. to Trey Flowers for uh, visiting with us. Coming up next, we got the professor. John Clayton. He'll get us caught up on the rest of the NFL. That's next right here on Hawks Live. 
Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. There's thousands of people here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Thanks for hosting us, uh, the good people here at the Snoqualmie Casino. I'm thinking they probably want you out there putting coins in the slots, but we're glad that you are joining us. It's Hawks Live, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and now we're joined by the Professor John Clayton. Clayton, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing good. And uh, what do you make of the game that's going on right now? You see Deshaun Watson throwing the ball down to, to Hopkins, and uh, what, what, what have you seen from this game? What about Deshaun Watson as a possible MVP candidate? I think he's number three. Yeah. I really like him. Now, I watched him because I went back to the Baltimore-Houston game last week in Baltimore and watched and how really Baltimore did a great job of defending him. What They called they called it a crab rush. And what crab they did rush. with the crab rush, they had five or six guys coming in, trying to put pressure on him and keeping him in the pocket. What I think the Colts are missing on right now, because every time I'm watching him, it's a four-man rush. And so Watson can get out of the pocket, and when he gets out of the pocket, he's the best quarterback in the league outside of the pocket. It's almost like he's a faster version of Ben Roethlisberger, being able to set up, throw the ball, and get the ball deep, do whatever he needs to do. That's, I think, a mistake. So it's it's a great football game because you have two teams that are pretty even. Jacoby Brissett's done a good job tonight. But I I tell you what, I, I, I just like Watson because I look at Watson... And so I can see one or two Super Bowls in him, just like with Mahomes in Kansas City. I can see two or three Super Bowls in him. Yeah, I agree. I love Deshaun Watson. John, a couple big moves by the Seahawks this week. Uh, activating Ed Dixon, releasing Jamar Taylor. Um, what do you think we're going to see in the secondary, and what should we expect from Ed Dixon, do you think? Well, nothing from Ed Dixon because the report out of Carolina is that he's going to go back on the injured reserve list. So it sounds like the knee is not right and it looks like he's going to miss the whole season. And that's not good because now you're down to Jacoby. I mean, Jacob Hollister is the only tight end. You know, you got Luke Wilson coming off the hamstring injury, and then you got George Fant filling in. They, you know, they have Tyrone Swopes, who they're probably activating. But it looks to me like the Dixon thing did not turn out too well. I have no idea what happened, but whatever happened did not happen well. So that's a big setback, I think, right now for the offense. But uh, overall, on the defense, I think it was pretty predictable. And uh, it's like, I'm not going to betray you or say anything, but it's like, we, we've watched this for the last couple of weeks, and it's like, I'll say we, I'll put it more on me. And we've seen, uh, you know, more problems in the, with a nickel cornerback than we've seen in a while. And so because of that, it was time to make a move. And so the move was made. You know, they go ahead. Ugo Amadi is now going to be the uh, inside cornerback trying to handle things. I think that's probably the good thing to try to do. You get more speed. You get more coverage. And right now, it just wasn't working with Jamar Taylor. Yeah, it really wasn't, and you know, and, and not only, uh, you know, he's getting beat, but I mean, there was a couple times where he was just, he just couldn't close, he couldn't finish. No, you he, know? he was like three yards slow on some of the catches that were coming in. I'm, I'm talking about three yards in coverage. I mean, three yards in coverage is massive because I mean, this is a game right now where the quarterbacks are so good in getting rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds or less. It's like if you're behind in a half second, you're not good. If you're behind in more than a second. That's not. That's horrible. Hey, John, I'm looking at the the Philadelphia Eagles schedule after the Seahawks. I see about four games that I think um, they can win. Is but is this a must win game for these guys to have a, a chance to make the playoffs? 
No, I mean, it, it is and it isn't because, you know, you're right about that because their schedule isn't as tough as, say, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have to play New England and, and all that. And so I still think they can make it, but it's an important game because it's a home game. And if you lose a home game, particularly to a good team like Seattle, that's going to hurt you. And where it's going to hurt, now again, you know, Seattle, there's a big difference right now as far as where they are in the wild card. And, you know, Philadelphia in Dallas, whoever wins that division, the second place team is not going to win a wild card. So this is an important game for them and a vital game for them. Because, again, it's like you've got to start. I mean, you don't want to go 5-6 into your final five games of the season and think you're going to be a playoff team, particularly, you know, if Dallas was with Dak Prescott being the number one offense is right now, you know, potentially in a position to maybe win. I don't know how they're going to do against New England, but uh, no, important game for Philly. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, you look at what their stats and everything, they do everything okay. And it, and it makes sense because they're five and five. You know, yeah, I, I, I think they're actually probably a little better. I mean, look, they lose to New England. They, you know, we, we're looking at the Dallas. Uh, and they lost three very good teams, at, most of them on the road. Hey, a weird story, John, and I don't know if weird, but, you know, very concerning initially when Tyler Lockett got hurt and then fell and stayed behind in San Francisco. How's his health, and, and do you expect him to play significant amount of time this coming week? I mean, everything, I, I, you know, he may not play the whole game, but everything seems to point to what Pete Carroll was saying. And we're, we're relying on Pete Carroll on this more because we can't see the practices. It looks as though that uh, he should be able to go. Now, maybe it's not going to be, you know, 60, 65 plays. Maybe they have to spot him a little bit. But I, it looks to me like he's going to be able to go. I think for the most part, they've got to cover him on kickoff returns and punt returns. He's more important to the offense. And I was, I was looking through the uh, Pro Bowl voting. And again, this is voting by the fans. It's not the definitive things. He's he's like, uh, you know, seventh right now as far as the Pro Bowl voting. And six of the top guys in the top seven are all NFC guys. And you, you look at Lockett. He's played at a Pro Bowl level. He's been absolutely fantastic. But there's so many good receivers in the in the NFC that, you know, he could be, you know, first, second alternate. He's in the mix. But again, that's irrelevant. I think the fact that, you know, he should be able to play. I would think he would. I think he can have a significant value in this game. John, right now, with the Seahawks beating the 49ers, and I, you know, I really, I think, you know, some some calls go our way. It's it's not as close as that game ended up being, and as exciting as it was, I thought the 49ers, the the recipe to beat them is out there, and Arizona should have beat them, and they had just executed down the stretch. Who's the best team right now in the NFC? Best team, in my opinion, probably not going to be agreeable with everybody is New Orleans. I think they're the most complete team. Top five, top six defense. I think you, you can see that they have Drew Brees at quarterback. You know, they've got a great offense. I think that's the most complete team. Now, maybe they may not finish with the best record. But remember, San Francisco has the best record right now. But they got three games coming up against eight-win teams. And that's nobody's ever done that. And this this late in the season, face three consecutive eight-win teams. They could lose two. They could lose three games, and they can open up the division right now for the Seahawks. So I'd say right now, I, I'd vote for New Orleans, even though technically, you know, they're not number one because they don't have the number one record. I'd vote for New Orleans. Hey, John, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, you know, it's funny during yeah. the game. You remember this, John? I had not seen him in earlier. 
in the game. And then I went back and looked at the snap count. But all of a sudden, what was it, in the fourth quarter, he catches a slant. Like, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Gordon's on the team, number 10 out there. But uh, I wonder uh, how much we're going to see him uh, this week. And, you know, and also we forgot about, like, Malik Turner, a uh, pretty good player. And I, this is all, you know, based mm-hmm. on, let's say, Tyler Lockett's not, not able to go. But, uh, but, yeah, as far as who, who do you think is going to be sort of a, a surprise receiver that might step up uh, this week. I, I think you hit on it. I think it would be Josh Gordon because what you're looking at now, particularly, you know, with the injury that's going to keep Ed Dixon back on the injured reserve list, you know, now that you're down to Jacob Hollister and an injured Luke Wilson at tight end, they're going to use more three tight end I mean, three wide receiver sets than ever before. And I would have to think the way that Josh Gordon's going to go and what's interesting is that uh, you know, you look at New England as average as their offense has been. They've let Josh Gordon go. He had 20 catches in six games. Certainly he wasn't great, but he's good. And you saw the two third-down catches he had in this game against San Francisco. I think he can be a big factor in this game, particularly knowing that they may not be able to go as many tight ends as they would like to go. And if that's going to be the case, you know, that's going to uh, he, he's good. And uh, I like him. I talked to him after the game. I like the, the sound of what he says. I like the play of what he does. I think he can be a big factor. He could be the, the, the X factor in this game. Professor, thanks for your time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll see you in Philadelphia. Sounds good. There he goes, the Professor John Clayton. Coming up next, we'll talk about some of these roster moves that have happened and you know what's going to happen if uh, maybe Luke Wilson not able to go, although Pete thinks he has, uh, he's Wolverine, which means he has extreme healing powers. I hope Luke he Wilson is right. Does. Yeah, I hope he's right, too. We'll talk about the, what we're going to see in the secondary, uh, some of the personnel moves, Quandre, Diggs, etc. We will talk about that next here on Hawks Live.